everyone. Welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey CJ Wesley. Today's episode has been brought to you by DotWalk.io. DotWalk.io are the creators of Bootstrap, which is an AI-powered solution for automated testing. Now, as we all know, automated testing keeps getting a lot of attention, version and by version on ServiceNow. And really, Corey, can you think of a better use case for AI than automated testing? No, because when you really think about it, we're building something here that we should already know and we're building it from scratch and it's super tedious to do it because you got to build out every single block. Why wouldn't you want AI to do that? And that's what I love most about Bootstrap by DotWalk is that it uses the AI to read your system and figure out what do you do and it builds the use cases off of what it sees and then it feeds it into ServiceNow's native ATF. So you're not in the way of ServiceNow's progress train and you're not starting some exotic replacement for ServiceNow in this area. So check out .walk.io. Links are going to be in the description. All right, Corey, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to talk about threat vectors, Robert. We're going to do a, a thought exercise, right? And we're going to say, if ServiceNow could be dethroned, how would it happen? Mm. I'll put my cards on the table. I don't want ServiceNow to get dethroned. My life was changed drastically because of the opportunity ServiceNow gave me. So when we talk about this here, we're thinking about where could uh, ServiceNow get innovated out of the market so that we can plan ahead for that. Yeah, Duke, I'm with you on that. My life too has drastically changed because of ServiceNow. So it's not something I always think of in that context, but it's absolutely true. Like I went from having a boss to having no boss and everything that enables in your life, it, it, it can't be overstated, right? That all happened because I discovered ServiceNow. So yeah, not hoping or praying or wishing the ServiceNow gets, gets disrupted. We're just thinking about if it were to happen, where would it possibly come from? Yeah. And it might make a podcast. <laughs> yeah. And maybe if any of these are actually hold water, then maybe we can help steer the ship away from the icebergs. Absolutely. Our first thought on this, and this is probably everyone's first thought, right? A smarter, faster, better service now. All of a sudden, somebody comes out. We didn't see it. They were in like stealth mode, building a startup, and they take the world by storm, just like ServiceNow did. Mm -hmm. You remember those days when you were on Remedy or BMC Magic, and the world was what it was, and ITSM was old and, and, and rickety, yep. and you were just, it was just something you had to do grudgingly. And then you met ServiceNow, and it was just like that boy yeah. from a small town who ends up in the city. What happens if that whole thing happens again, except it's not ServiceNow dropping the bomb to somebody else, it's company X. And all the things that you like about ServiceNow are there and all the things that you hate about ServiceNow are fixed. I don't think it's too far a stretch either. It's the obvious vector and we've seen a bunch of people try. So should we rule this out? No, I don't think so. I think uh, ServiceNow pushes into harder territory right? Oh, everybody should be doing virtual agent. Everybody should be doing ML and everybody should be doing PA and all of the technology hard stuff. What happens if there's not enough talent in the market? And then suddenly the trajectory stalls and then onto the scene comes a scrappy little startup who's got that AI stuff worked out in an easier right. fashion and it's easier right. to wield, right? And then all of a sudden you have somebody who can be a content, not just eat at the margins. Let's just capitalize on the market. People who are pissed off. That kind of play can happen at scale. Everybody wants that AI goodness. Here's some precise use cases. It's cheaper than ServiceNow. And then you're going to see a wave of people. Yeah, absolutely. You start seeing wholesale defection, right? Mm -hmm. Because the product's better. Let's talk about, you know, competition because competition is not always bad. I like to right. look at competition as marketing. 
when there are more people in the market to a certain degree, more people learn about the market and that benefits everyone playing in the market. Mm -hmm. However, there's a certain degree when you go past that and the folks who are in that market start to get uh, disrupted, disintermediated. Yeah. And ServiceNow being the leader of the market, they stand to lose the most. So if there is someone comes out and they say they've got AI lick and it's like one button click, they've got processes out of the box that use AI and adapt to whatever you're running internally and help you optimize that stuff without knowing what you're doing. Something just revolutionary, because that's what it'll take, in my opinion, to dethrone ServiceNow, something revolutionary, not evolutionary. And, and they've got this thing. What, where do you, what do you do? Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely something to think about. I don't see it happening, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wouldn't be capitalism and it wouldn't be America if we didn't have a lot of these companies lurking on the wings right yeah. now, trying to get a shot. Waiting for their spot. Yeah. Wait for that deer to limp and then the whole hyena pack comes in. It's funny, like I've seen technologies that at first glance, you're like, that looks like a really beautiful application building tool. I could easily see building components of service now on that. But then how do you plan to take this to market? And it's just, man, you're never going to get this out of the garage. You don't have a plan for engaging with the audience like ServiceNow does. Like ServiceNow has people 24 hours a day thinking about the next use case to sell into their people. They're every bit as much a marketing company as they are a tech company. So it's not just the tech, it's the marketing. They spent years refining this whole end-to-end -end process at this point. That's mm -hmm. why it's going to take something revolutionary in order to get them off the throne. So it's an obvious vector. It's a vector that's been attempted a bunch of times, but obviously it, it's not a sleeper. It's not a sleeper. You still got to watch Watch out for this vector. Absolutely. What we got next, Robert? We're going to take a step to the more exotic. As we all know, work from home and COVID and all this stuff has really turned everybody's expectations with labor completely upside down. Prior to COVID, we were already gung-ho on the sharing economy and atomized workforce, right? Like I'm an Uber in the afternoon, I'm a task rabbit in the morning, and it was just sharing and making everything micro components. The gig economy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What happens if the gig economy Economy reaches enterprise processes where maybe I don't need an IT team. Maybe I have a bunch of giggers and I just say, oh, somebody needs their laptop repaired or somebody needs an explanation of their benefits in Spanish and just... Yeah, I push it out to my virtual workforce. Somebody bids on it, grabs that work, comes in. They're not like really in your system anymore. They have their own app and you would be reduced to like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have the license spread as you would with ServiceNow. You'd pay somebody to provide a hub that manages the distribution and compensation for the work. And then everybody else just has their mobile app and they might do this for five or six or 10 companies. Let me tell you, first of all, I am super excited about this idea, right? I, I seriously, think something like this could take off and work. I'm gung-ho on the concept. I think you can do this with email. I don't even think you need something revolutionary with it. All you need from one perspective is intake to generate demand and then a marketplace to satisfy them. I think this is yeah, I'm super bullish on this idea. Whether or not it can be thrown service now, I don't know. But maybe, right, with so many people working remotely, right? If I need something done, do I take it all the way downtown or do I ship it all the way across the country? Or do I just put something out there on, on the, the enterprise right. version of Craigslist? And then somebody picks it up and comes through and fixes my issue for me and everybody's happy. Yeah, and maybe if companies just become huge knowledge stores and they hire a bunch of gig people or have a pool of preferred giggers and how come Jane can't be some benefit specialist for company X and company Y and company Z? Absolutely. And company A is probably happy to hire her at, you know, a half a normal salary and she just does it for three people. 
and, and her life feels good and everything. And so I don't know. I, I feel like while before COVID, I would have been like, I thought about it. It seems like a good idea, which means it's not a good idea because if it was, somebody would have already built it. (laughs) 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 Now that we're just figuring out what COVID is exactly going to do to the global workforce, I think all the gloves are off and maybe somebody tries this. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody tries this. I could definitely see the the benefit in it. It it just makes sense. You you, you democratizing work is the next step after globalization, right? Because globalization takes work and then it pushes it to get done somewhere else but some things can't be done somewhere else. Some things have to be done here. And the democratization of work is more like globalization itself locally. I I see it happening. Somebody's going to do this. All right, Corey, your turn. The next thing on our list, and this is something near and dear to my heart, truthfully, because I love automation. I love integrations. I love putting things together, two different systems, transferring data, really just making things work together and making them bigger than the sum of the parts. What if there is a new platform that comes out and that new platform makes easy, exquisite integrations possible with the flip of a switch. ServiceNow calls itself the platform of platforms, right? What if something else comes out and it's the piping for all of your IT? Mm. And it's as literally as easy as if anyone, some of you guys out here old enough, remember Yahoo Pipes or something along that line where you could just drag and drop the logical representations of your data on a screen and making it all just work together. Or some AI that like an AI on top of that figures it out. Right. You know, right. I see you got got Slack over here and Jira over here, Jira. Yeah. And then Teams and ServiceNow. And it's just, oh, you got a new story. Stories and ServiceNow really look like this in Jira. And it just presents you a model. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Now we're fully integrated. Boom, done. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same kind of, I can't believe it's this easy when ServiceNow came out. But if somebody did that in the integration realm, serious threat. Because now it takes away that... Like part of what makes ServiceNow magic with all the extra ma- magic, like part of what makes ServiceNow magic total ServiceNow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the youngins won't understand that joke, so we might have to cut it. Um, part of what makes ServiceNow awesome is when you have all those apps on it, it's one app enriches the other. And yeah. we think about those things in terms of like application proximity. They're on the app so they can help each other, but they can too, if you were smart enough about the integration. It's just that integrations are so blipping hard right now. Absolutely. They're at the same time easier than they've ever been, but also still very hard to execute. Yeah. And this, it, what if this thing came through and it was the new enterprise service bus? That's, that's how I look at it. An AI enhanced enterprise service bus and all your applications are now nodes on that bus. So when Teams sends a message, it, it jacks into that plumbing and it sees that this is a Teams message and it seems that it's a request for something. It gets automatically routed over to ServiceNow, creates, a, creates an incident, right? Boom. But it, and it also still goes to the team channel where you were actually trying to send it. So it shows there and it's all and the incidents already created. And then that enriched incident data gets shot back down to that same team channel. How cool would that be? Right. <laughs> and before you start thinking, hey, shoot, I can do that all in service now today anyway. How is that a threat? It's a threat because, oh, I'm going to get in shit for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Say it. Say it. There, Shit's good. It's yeah, good for ratings. There, <laughs> There's some things that there are better apps for in the market for a given process area. But what makes ServiceNow so attractive is that I can have this app with all my other apps. 
on the same platform and they cooperate together and they leverage the same core data and they can be integrated into the same workflows with each other. That's the selling point. It's not that ServiceNow is better at all of ITSM, HR, ITBM, SecOps, GRC, integrated risk management. <laughs> it's, it's not that ServiceNow is the winner at all of those. It's that when they're all together, it's more awesome. But imagine something yeah. that erased the advantages of having them all together. They are all together. See, they're integrated. Press the red button. Yeah. See the blinking integrated light? That means we're currently integrated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so like, that's, you know, we, we, we just know. Yeah. And so pe people would have the freedom to just say, I'm going to pick the absolute best of breed in whatever. And then some integration engine almost becomes like a, not integration as a service, but yeah, kind of integration as a service. Hey, wasn't MuleSoft supposed to do this? That was the promise of MuleSoft, right? And I think there have been a few of these apps that promise us. And, and I think they all build themselves as like the enterprise service bus for your company or something similar uh -huh. to that, like an integration of integrations or something like that. Yeah. And it's supposed to be that platform that's going to serve as the central location for all of this, the central clearinghouse. I don't know if they work. Let me take that back. I assume that they work. I just don't think they work as well as what we're talking about here that would be necessary in order for this to be a threat to service now. Well, and I right. think... You banged this nail on the head at the start of the show when you were talking about, you know, it can't just be a tech company, you got to be a marketing company. And God bless MuleSoft. Like, I hope you guys do well. If anybody here is a happy MuleSoft company, I don't want to take anything away from you. But remember that MuleSoft white paper that was on your Twitter feed 10 times a day? Oh, yeah. Like, it, it was 2019 and the start of 2020, I think. I just saw that thing like five times a day as yeah, a promoted. And the white paper was so obscure, the titling. Like, I I even know at the time, I was like, I know what white MuleSoft soft is for but that white paper was just like huh and it's just yeah. promoted and it's in my thread five times a day for a year and it's got like 38 likes note to self yeah. never ever do a promoted tweet as a white paper yeah. like, <laughs> at least make it so that people have a, an impetus to click on it like that just had this dog will not hunt written all <laughs> Yeah, anyway, no. So it I'm could be you. that they still are the answer to that problem. It's just that they can't articulate that to the market powerfully enough. Yeah. And again, without AI behind this, I just don't see it being the ultimate solution anyway. Yeah, me either. Drink to that. <laughs> No doubt. Drink break. And then, and so Robert, this was on you. Okay, number four. So we talked about ways in which ServiceNow could be replaced, right? Different solutions that could compete for the same supply of customers. But what if the supply of customers just naturally went away somehow? What threat is there to customers that need ServiceNow? And I was thinking about this maybe post-COVID, again, everybody's like trying to figure out business differently. And of course, everybody's trying to cut costs. And what if the innovation play is four or five huge players emerge, probably combinations of existing players and 400 of the Fortune 500 say, you know what? We don't need our own IT. We don't need our own HR. We're shipping IT off to Tata or Accenture or some Tata Accenture spinoff or some other new player. And they have a scale and a operational efficiency that they just become IT for everybody except for the hardcore remainers. And so basically ServiceNow's customer pool would shrink because they don't have a thousand buyers. They have a hundred buyers. And then they have five buyers that previously came from their other thousand. This new massive global IT company is one customer for ServiceNow. And because of that, they lost hundreds, thousands of customers. You're saying basically that the market 
collapses. But the market doesn't collapse because the product collapses. The market collapses just naturally because IT goes away to a certain extent. It's, it's been commoditized and then yeah. cannibalized. Yeah, it's, it's not a tech replacement, right? In the same way that right. all of a sudden all these farriers lost their job because nobody was riding horses when cars came out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's it's the same idea that people still need to go places. They're just using a fundamentally different product or service to get that thing done, to go to that place. And yeah. I think it's a very real possibility that the industry just collapses a bunch of stuff and trusts like five or six companies to provide it. We already talk about various elements of IT being utility, right? We're already thinking about compute, storage, all that stuff, the whole migration of hardware into the cloud. Like who's building data centers now? Only the cloud providers. Only the cloud providers yeah. and, and, and people with specialized needs. Yeah, exactly. So we're already seeing it in places like data center management and stuff like that. Because people yeah. are saying, I don't want a data center. Jesus, I want to put that in the cloud. So the place where I worked last before I went solo, the um, CIO there said, we don't want to be in the data center business. Mm -hmm. And I get it, right? Because it's a cost. You can have somebody else provide this cost for you. Now, I think fundamentally, sometimes the economics are off. Like folks think that the cloud is going to, is going to be cheaper than mm -hmm. what you're already paying for. That's you know neither here nor there in this particular conversation. But I think the overall point holds, we don't want to be in the data center business. Yeah. What happens when companies decide they don't want to be in the IT business? And man, all these other things, HR. Yeah. It doesn't take too much imagination to think, okay, all I need is somebody who knows how to read HR material and can provide that guidance to my employees. But do they have to be an employee of my company to do that? Probably not. We talked about it earlier. Maybe Jane Corp with employee one Jane, and she's the best benefits interpreter and marketer and uh, purveyor of benefits knowledge in the world. And she does it for eight companies instead of one. Right. So we That's already naturally think in these directions. So could there be a critical mass point? where just so many companies say, whatever, man, I'm going to turn the IT dial when I need more IT. I'm going to turn the HR dial when I need more HR. And these things are just utilities that some other company yeah. is providing. And they say, holy cow, we just need to fire five more people to, to handle the HR demand from Megacorp XYZ. Yeah, exactly. And then it's all really low balancing and you're just really looking at things as just commodities here. There's already a blueprint for this, right? Uber, when you really think about it, if, if you think about before Uber, right, there were all these taxi companies and by and large, taxi companies all bought the same cars. When you got in a taxi and you knew it was going to be like a Chevy or Ford Taurus or something, whatever these cars were that these American car makers made that were tested to be able to handle like millions of miles or whatever, they were all the same cars. Mm -hmm. But then Uber comes along. And when you get Uber, you don't care about the car anymore because that's somebody else's problem. You're buying the service of transportation. You're not buying a car anymore. So as long as when I push a button, a car shows up and gets me to where I go, I don't care if it's a Lexus, if it's a Toyota, if it's a Ford, if it's a Chevy, yeah. if it's a Hummer, like none of that matters. But to me, yeah, right? and I'm, you get the option, right? Do you want comfort? Do you want the eco car? Do you right. want to link Uber up with the public transport? So Uber to the bus station and then pick up at the bus? Yeah. Yeah. Like you get more so options I, paradoxically. Exactly. You get more options and you worry about less things. And I can almost guarantee you that fleet sales have gone like through the floor since Uber came along. Okay. So to make the threat clear, it's that what happens if all of a sudden there's big shifts in HR, everybody goes to mega HR MSP number one. And then now all of a sudden service now is HR sales just... Brrr. 
and then it can happen right. to spec ops it could happen to grc jim bob's auditing service yeah no absolutely what happens when all of that comes across i don't know mm -hmm. when demand evaporates so de and, and, it, and demand doesn't evaporate when it shifts mm -hmm. i should say when demand shifts the folks who depended on that demand have to scramble in order to figure out how to make it up or they have to pivot in order to serve the new source of demand in this case service now has two different options right do they pivot to serve the new folks who have sucked up all the demand and how does that business look compared to the old business i don't know or do they not and continue to serve the formal market which is now constricted and much smaller. How do they get past doing that? I'm sure that takes a hit to everything that they're doing right now. And then do they themselves constrict? Do they just go back to their roots of ITSM? Yeah. And it's such a wild card too, because all it takes is some massive innovation in another industry, some AI that can just maximize everybody's benefits. Just look at every benefit package across the entire US, offer the five best ones. And then some HR company just walks off with everybody's HR business. <laughs> and then it's, I'm not going to want to try and provide my own. I'll just hire the robot to do it or whatever. The, yeah. the key is, I think this is the one I've, that's been keeping me up at night. Some other industries, massive innovation shifts the demand over from let's build it on service now, keep it on service now till we don't worry about it anymore. We don't transact. We don't record keep and report on it. It's just a dial on our dashboard. More HR, please. Yeah. Yeah. When everything becomes a commodity, literally everything is just like a button that you can punch up more of it. Like yeah. you, we just hired another 50 people. Yeah. We hired another 50 people. So add 50 people to our account. Okay, great. We're going to give you another two people to handle those 50 and everything's good. And as a CEO, that makes your life much simpler. You can outsource all of that risk. I've heard the idea of big megacorps want to get down to a 12 person payroll. That's their executives. Yeah. Right. Okay. And they want everything else to just be the 12 people manage the brand and then everything else is just partnered. Yeah. Partnered companies. And I may be remembering this story wrong. Have you ever re read the, the book, Think and Grow Rich? I've heard of it. I don't think I read it though. He was either talking about Ford or Carnegie and the guy was like, I got to be able to run my entire company from a 12 button console. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> People uh, have been thinking about this since the 1900s. Like it's on yeah. everybody's mind. When I think about my time back in IT, the executives in the firm went from carrying the biggest most powerful laptop mm -hmm. to the slimmest, lightest laptop to iPads, and in some cases, just to an iPhone, right? Like everything was this quest of minimization of how can I do my work with the least amount of interference as possible, right? The least amount of abstraction between me and it. Yep. And yeah, what you're saying makes a whole lot of sense. If I just need to review a report on what my partner agency is doing yes. and authorize a payment to them, I don't need a laptop for that. I can do that from my phone. Yep. And imagine today in big corps, you're plowing through three layers of leadership minimum to get to like, what's the story? Like, how come these projects are stalled versus call up Jane Corp? How come our benefit spend is up 50%? And somebody whose bread and butter depends on this is basically going to give you a fast story. I guarantee you they got the answers for you right away. These folks already have the reporting infrastructure, right? They already have all of the systems in place mm -hmm. where they can manage and generate and all of that. So when you say, hey, Hey, what's our unit of measure for the last three months? They can say one second and they'll log into whatever system and you don't care. Something you're not paying for, something you're not maintaining. All you care about is that number that you asked them for. And they're going to set it up so that you get that number every time you want it. And that's beautiful. There is one more vector. We got to squeeze it in before we run out of time here. So let's say you got your competition crushed. There's nobody who's even close to matching your tech or your experience in marketing that tech. 
let's say the idea of commoditized resource and kind of an Uberized labor force just doesn't manifest and it's never going to manifest. Let's say that AI never gets smart enough to do an integration platform the way we imagine it could. And then let's also say that for the time being, we've pretty much got the demand very well articulated and we could be confident of that happening in the next five years. So what do you do to mess it all up? You hire somebody to mess it up for you. (laughs) (laughs) And the final vector is buyout. Yes. What happens if ServiceNow gets bought by an incompetent actor? An incompetent actor. That's the thing. Like that's what scares the crap out of me. Some mega entity buys ServiceNow and immediately they will lose their purity of intent because it's not like the CEO of whatever company could buy ServiceNow would focus on how do we make ServiceNow better? They would hand that off to a manager. (laughs) I'd be the VP of the ServiceNow business unit. Like, no! Paying some guy two tiers down to replace Billy McD. Yes. Like, and Fred, you've been great. We'll trot you out once a year for the conference. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine any play where a buyout makes ServiceNow a leaner, meaner, better competitor. I just don't. They have the purity of intent. They have the best leadership resources in place. Being bought will only sacrifice that. I agree. There are some companies out there that handle buyouts. So look, lots of companies hire buyouts differently, Mm -hmm. right? Amazon is probably one of the better ones from everything I've read. They buy companies and they leave the CEO in place and the company culture in place, and they just give them buckets of money and help where they can. That would be the ideal situation if ServiceNow were to get bought. Not saying that the ideal situation is Amazon, but an ideal situation is where the company culture remains intact. And really the buying entity is just an influx of cash whenever needed and any other scale type of stuff. But there are other companies that buy companies and those companies just fall off the, into the abyss, right? They always have that AT&T. Dumb... Oh, yeah. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. The temptation to synergize is, yes! always, yeah, it is always too strong. Oh, maybe if we mix these teams up or maybe if we pull out this sales unit and put in our other sales unit and it's just these ideas that maybe look half credible on paper and it's just, right. well, there's only one way to find out. Let's try it. like like when magic got bought by bmc the first thing they did was destroy it when was it peregrine that got bought by hp for ovsd so i'm not familiar with that one oh like anyways by all accounts hp ovsd 4.5 was a decent product but then hp bought somebody and they tried to just make this mutated bastard child and it was just like we bought these two apps hey engineers go make these things work together and then by next release and so by the next release the product was completely destroyed because it was just why doesn't this guy work if we just sew some other dude's arm onto him (laughs) (laughs) and it doesn't matter if the arm's in the leg slot like whatever it's long and it's straight exactly (laughs) those are the qualifications for that socket (laughs) i just look at the way hp was when ServiceNow came around and uh, did you get shown the frankenstein app slide when you were buying i did yes I did. And it's funny, too, because I was just thinking about that. What something you uh, said made me triggered a memory. ServiceNow has always said what they do when they purchase companies or they purchase apps, however you want to look at it, Mm -hmm. is that they completely integrate that app into the platform. Yes. So there's no Frankenstein kind of situation. When they bought Mirror 42 and that became performance analytics and all of like, you would never know looking at it right now. You never know that that was a, a product that was bought somewhere else. 
and then impl- integrate it into the service Same now with service mapping, man. Service mapping, yeah, was, service like, mapping too. Was actually built on service now, right? At least to some extent. But service mapping was its own thing. Nebula was its own thing. And then so yes, now just we all love service now, right? Part of it's tech, part of it's the company. But imagine of all the companies that could buy service now and notice the absence of that woohoo feeling, right? <laughs> now imagine them applying ServiceNow strategy to ServiceNow when they buy ServiceNow. I'm just, I'm getting chills. My stomach's turning already. Yeah, I, I imagine ServiceNow in, existed inside of the Microsoft licensing structure. <laughs> oh. like, I mean, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. So Robert, I think we've covered quite a few of these threat vectors today. I'm sure there are some others out there, but I think we've covered some really good ones here, at least to get conversation going and some thought exercises going and just some what if scenarios. And I, I, I sincerely hope none of these come to pass. I love ServiceNow as an independent yep. company. I love ServiceNow as the leader in the space. And I love all the benefits that I've reaped from the company as a member of the ecosystem. So I sincerely hope that things continue, as they say, up and to the right for ServiceNow. Yep. yep, I love ServiceNow. I've always loved ServiceNow. I wish nothing but the best for ServiceNow, but it, it, it always pays to look over your shoulder once in a while. So that's the spirit this video was made. All right, we are at time, folks. Thank you so much for joining. Please be sure to check out our sponsor, .walk.io, for sponsoring this episode. Their links will Absolutely. be in the description below. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedora. And I am Corey C.J. Wesley. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.